everyone. We will be in Proverbs 21 today, so you can find your way there in your Bible or device. But before we do, uh, I just want to say that our, our missions lead, Brittany Wolf and Pastor Scott and Sarah, recently returned from a visit uh, with our school and church partner in the Dominican Republic. Uh, they first visited with our uh, an amazing partner that we have there called Nelson Paulino uh, and his leadership training program, Casa Misionera. And uh, they're training up the next generations of, uh, ne- next generation of leaders in the Dominican. Uh, and then they visited Perla and her school filled with children that are sponsored uh, by folks here at Grace. And, and finally, with our church partner, uh, Pastor Silverio and Iglesia de Dio Pentecostal. And uh, I just want to encourage you again as a church, uh, thank you for always being willing to reach beyond our walls. And, and in case you're new to us, we, you know, we decided some years back that our global strategy would shift uh, to more to come alongside pastors and churches and schools who are already in country, already positioned to reach their communities. And we currently have three such partnerships, uh, our original in Capetian, Haiti, and then in Sagamahara, Japan, and Casino Adentro, Dominican Republic. And uh, in the future, we're gonna continue to seek out partners among uh, the least reached people groups on planet Earth. Uh, We also continue to be engaged in dozens of missionary partners uh, around the world, as well as those doing great mission work right here in our own region. So before COVID, we were mobilizing teams regularly to go and and serve in these places, and and we're optimistic that we'll continue to offer some more options and and get involved uh, again going forward. But for now, uh, it's good to know that our friends in in the DR are continuing in their faithfulness to Jesus. You can stay connected with updates over at the Facebook page, uh, Global Missions Grace Church. Okay, so it's February 2023. It's a great time for us to talk about getting back on track financially. Maybe the Christmas bills are hitting, or, or maybe you're on a different page than your spouse about expenditures these days, or maybe you're just clueless about how much money is coming in and going out in your world. Or, or maybe you were riding a COVID wave that seems to have dried up. Maybe you're noticing some of your your bad habits with money are starting to manifest themselves in the lives of your kids, and you're like, okay, it's time to do something. So anyway, last week, we talked about the importance of working, putting work in its proper place, and honoring God with all that we do. And this week, we're going to talk about what to do with all that money you guys are making when your work life gets rolling in the right direction. And I just want to say a couple of things before we dive into today's passage. Like, you need to know that the foundation of this series isn't really about money. It's about your heart. Like, my dream is that every person at Grace Church would possess a heart fully surrendered to Christ. Jesus was very clear that the greatest battle for our hearts is going to come from money. How we earn it, how we save it, how we leverage it, how we spend it, how we invest it, how we give it. God cares about these things, not because he needs our money. Like, believe me, he he doesn't need it at all. God's not up there going, oh man, you know, the coffers are running low. I I sure sure hope Sally throws in 40 bucks this week instead of her usual 30. I mean, think about how silly that is. God doesn't need your money or mine, but he does want our hearts. And every decision that you and I make with our money reveals very clearly where our heart is. Is God on the throne of our lives or not? And so so Jesus taught on this subject of money often because he knew what a litmus test it is to measure the state of our hearts. 
And so how you handle your money is part of your commitment to being a Christ follower. Like there are some folks who compartmentalize. They mistakenly think that, that being a Christian means that you follow Christ in the spiritual areas of your life. You, you pray before meals, you pray when you're in trouble, you read your Bible when you think of it, you come to church. Like, but when you're all done with that stuff, you just go out and do your real life on your own and you leave God out of that. But this approach does not square at all with the Bible, which offers a completely holistic view of what it means to be a Christian. Jesus doesn't settle for being compartmentalized. Instead, he invades and overtakes every area of our lives, including our finances. And, and so our job is to bring every area under the lordship of Christ. And for some of you, like the last thing to get saved is your wallet. And, and you struggle and you struggle with money because you won't subject it to Christ. And I just don't think God created you for that. And some of you are struggling with your money. Like you know what it's like to feel the chains of financial bondage. Like you're feeling it now. And if that's you, listen, I don't want in any way for this series to be a source of shame for you. Conviction, yes. Call to action, yes. But here at the outset, I just want to remind you God's plan for you is a plan for freedom and not bondage. God's heart is that every single one of you would have liberation and victory in your financial life by bringing it under the Lordship of Christ. And so over the next three weeks, we're gonna talk about God's counsel concerning our money. Last week, we looked at the area of working, which is obviously a critical part of the equation. But over the next three weeks, we're gonna look at planning and spending and giving. So today, we're gonna to explore two passages in Proverbs to kickstart our study on planning. If you're not there already, get to Proverbs 21, your Bible or device. The first passage is in 21, verse five. This is in the NIV, but listen as I read it. It says, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Now, listen. Obviously, there are many factors when it comes to poverty, including things like systemic injustices, generational factors. In fact, let me just say here that the, the Bible is remarkably balanced when it comes to complex issues like poverty. So, so our two-party political system tends to simplify it into conservatives saying it's all about personal responsibility. Just pull yourselves up by your bootstraps and you'll be fine. And liberals saying it's all about the broken systems and injustices and uneven footing that's everywhere you turn in our society. And the Bible comes at something like poverty and it gives us a matrix of causes. It says, yes, oppression is a factor. Things like judicial systems weighed in favor of the powerful and unjustly low wages and opportunities that are not equal in their availability to the poor. In fact, in the Old Testament, the, the, the prophets most often blamed the rich when extreme poverty showed up in a society. And, and if this were all the Bible had to say on the matter, we would conclude, well, the, the liberals are correct. But then there are also a bunch of passages that talk about personal responsibility, including this one. And the, and the reason for poverty being things like moral failures or lack of self-discipline and the need for hard work. And so if you just read those passages, you'd conclude that the conservatives are correct. And the truth is, it's a very complex phenomenon. And, and usually there's a bunch of factors that are intertwined. And so don't be too quick to claim that God is on your side on this issue. God is on his own side and, and, and usually the side of the marginalized. But because I'm talking to you today as individuals and not doing a presentation to government leaders or to those with authority to address some of the systemic stuff, I'm gonna assume personal agency, that you have the ability to do something about your financial situation. So here in Proverbs 21, it says, haste leads to poverty and planning leads to profit. 
This is true. This is the word of God. And can I just say it plainly that planning ahead is godly. Last week we said that we honor God with our faithful working, and today our big idea is we honor God with our faithful planning. Somewhere along the line, this, this idea has crept into Christian circles that says that the Holy Spirit only works in spontaneous moments. Like, if you're a planner, then you must be unspiritual. I, I get it sometimes when I use notes to preach. People will say, I like it better when pastors rely on the Spirit and just speak from the heart in the moment. Just let the, the Spirit flow at the time. And I'm like, why do you assume that the Spirit wasn't flowing a few days ago when I, I wrote this? Like, I'd like to reclaim the idea that it's spiritual to plan ahead, amen? So, so God planned ahead. He planned for the creation of the world. Jesus planned for the timing of his ministry. Like We talked in December about this messianic secret concept in the Gospels. How many times Jesus would do a miracle, and then he would tell people to, to stay quiet about it. Don't tell anyone. Why? Because it wasn't time. He was working a plan. Paul did a lot of planning for his ministry of church planting and multiplication. Like read between the lines in the book of Acts and Paul had a, a very specific strategy that he was working. Certain cities that he was trying to get to uh, and, and, and a process that he was working through to get churches established. Now, he was also open to that plan being changed by the Holy Spirit and occasionally it was, but he diligently planned. And so our passage today reminds us that if we're going to be people who are doing our finances God's way, we're going to be a people of planning. And that planning, it says here, leads to profit. Look a little further down in Proverbs 21, verse 20. It says, The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but fools gulp theirs down. So the wise store up and the fools gulp down. So, so what I want to do is take the message here from these two passages, Proverbs 21.5 and Proverbs 21.20, and talk about the value of planning ahead. In fact, if I were to put the, the truths of these two verses in a table, it would look something like this. So look at that table and just do a little self-assessment. Like which side are you on? The wise side or the foolish side? To be on the wise side, it takes diligence. It says planning ahead and saving. That's wisdom, and it leads to financial health and profit. And then the consequences of not planning ahead, like when you're hasty on the other side and when you consume everything you bring in immediately, it leads to financial struggle. That's called foolishness. And even if you look at that table and go, yeah, right now I'm good. I'm, I'm in that left column. I, I'm convinced this isn't a one-time decision. Like You still need to be planning ahead because you don't know what's around the next bend. It wasn't raining when God told Noah to build the ark. Like there are things around the, 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 the bend that you don't control, like say the bottom drops out of our economy. And so if in 2023 you wanna start working toward financial freedom and honoring God with your money, it's gonna take a plan, no matter where you find yourself today. And again, let me remind you that this is a spiritual decision. Your financial life and your spiritual life are one thing. And just like we don't accidentally stumble into holiness, we also don't accidentally stumble into financial responsibility. It takes focus and effort and consistent discipline. So this is not a get-rich-quick scheme today or something like that. It's a long-view look at some of the behaviors of those who are financially free. And so by way of applying Proverbs 21, I want you to consider the three plans of financial freedom. First is this, it's to make the decision to plan. This sounds so basic and like it should just be understood, but, but financial expert Joe Sangle started with this assumption a few years ago with us. He said, most people are only one or two major decisions away from completely changing their financial future. 
Not 20 decisions away, not 40 decisions away, one or two. And these key decisions are usually far easier to implement than most people think. And so for, for some of you, this is the most important thing you could take away from today's message. A single decision that says simply, I'm going to make a financial plan and stick to it. That's a decision that could, stay, that, that could change everything for you. Listen to a few examples that Joe gave. He said, consider a 23-year-old young woman who, who just obtained her first full-time career job. She's earning $40,000 a year. She's just graduated from college, so every $20 bill is like a million bucks to her. But, but she makes one decision in the human resources office to max out her contribution to the company retirement savings plan, which is 13% of gross income at her particular place of employment. So the company matches her contribution with an additional 3%. Even if she never received a raise over her 44-year career, she will end up with over $5 million for retirement. Just one decision made the difference. This is the wise store up, as we just read in Proverbs. You know, 79% of millionaires say, say the key factor in reaching that status was maximizing their employer-sponsored retirement plan. 20-somethings. Studies show that only one out of three of you are investing in your employer's retirement plan. You just need to know that by not investing in these critical first few years in a new job, you are robbing yourself of the power of time. Or take a 55-year-old couple who decided to eliminate their debt, including their home mortgage, by the time they retire at age 66. One decision they made. They said, whatever it takes, we're going to get rid of that debt. And by doing that one thing, they lowered how much it cost them to live every month from $5,000 to $2,500. One decision will allow their, their retirement nest egg to, to, to last twice as long. Take another person who decided uh, to invest in rental homes beginning at age 40 and managed to purchase and pay off 10 of them by age 70. With an average rent of $1,000 per month, her investments are delivering $10,000 uh, per month of income, plus the homes are worth a combined total north of $2 million. Just one decision to embrace the awkwardness of learning the real estate investment business changed the trajectory of her retirement. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. We read a moment ago in Proverbs. So the first step toward financial freedom is to make a decision to plan. But what kind of plans? Well, we could go a lot of different directions with this because it's important to have an investment plan. It's certainly important to have a savings plan. But I want to talk today about two other specific plans that every growing believer, I think, should have when it comes to finances. So here's the, one, here's the second one. It's to make a budget plan. Remember our, our passage, Proverbs 21.20. It basically says that the wise person has a plan for the future, but the foolish person just spends whatever he or she gets as it comes in. It, it says there that there should be a plan for earning and a plan for saving and a plan for spending and giving. What's coming in and what's going out, you need to know about it. That's called a budget. And when you prove faithful in the little things, another biblical principle, it's only a matter of time when God will entrust you with more to manage. But why would God bless you with resources if you're just going to be stupid with them? It's like if you buy your kid a cell phone and they lose it. They, they're too young, you know, or they lose it. You buy them another one, they lose it. Like, how many phones are you going to buy before you're like, you know what, I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're responsible enough for a phone just yet. Well, the same with God. Why would he give you more if you're irresponsible with what you already have? And if you're irresponsible with money, listen, and you get more of it, you know what it does? It ruins your life. 
It's so important that you know where your money is going. And not after it goes there, but before it goes there. That's called a budget. And some of you have never done a budget before. And so I I just need to warn you, especially if you're married, that for the first few months, it's probably going to be an absolute fight, a bloodbath. But there's part of the process of, of, of getting on the same page that's going to be very beneficial. And the other side of the coin is that, that, that if you develop this budget and if you live by it, if you get on the same page, I just believe that God is honored and, and anxiety is reduced and bills are paid on time and savings and investments grow and children have a positive example to follow and the work of God in the world is generously and consistently funded. And God's favor rests, I believe, on that individual and that couple and that family. It's just a win, 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 win all the way around. It's a wise person who develops a budget and follows it. Making a budget plan comes with great rewards. So if you're just starting out developing a budget, I would encourage you to get do it on paper, on purpose, before each month begins. Get out your financial documents, your pay stubs, your bills, your, your apps, or your online credit card statements, however you do your financial stuff. Turn off the TV show. You know, the financially successful person is probably not going to be able to tell you who's winning The Bachelor. You know, turn off the Netflix, turn off Instagram, put, 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 put your financial stuff out on the kitchen table, put the kids to bed, put the boxing gloves on. It's budget night, baby. <laughs> and the first one or two, you're probably going to get a little bit of a black eye because you've been in denial. Like you haven't been dealing with this stuff. But commit yourself to sit down and do it. And as you start to get a handle on your reality, there will probably be some moments that require delayed gratification, saying no to some things in the short term with a promise that later on you're going to be so incredibly glad that you made those tough choices. Like the average cost of a meal out is 13 bucks these days. Eating at home is $4. So so like when you eat out instead of eating at home, you're spending 325% more. You have to consider these things. Like for us, Kim really runs all of our family finances. She's really good at it. She's gifted by God to do it. And there have been so many times in our almost 30 years of marriage where she's come to me and said, okay, we're on lockdown, buddy. Like everything is red light, red light. We're not spending money on anything. We're canceling gym memberships. We're consolidating cell phones. We're not eating out at all. We're gonna cut our grocery bill in half because we're entering a season either where things are just tight or where we're positioning ourselves for the next chapter of our lives with an investment. And, 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 and listen, we didn't go on lockdown for a week. It was for three months or six months, sometimes a year. Now, all these years later, we're bearing the fruit of being really, really disciplined and frugal for the last 30 years. But it's deciding on the plan ahead of time. And some of you have been on autopilot and you haven't checked in on a budget in a while or maybe ever. And it comes in and it goes out and you have no idea what's happening with your money. Others of you are getting older and you need to consider how you want to invest in in what God has blessed you with during the last chapter of your life. Others of you have tried and failed at budgeting and and you're thinking, I'm not doing that again. I urge you for your own future and for your own soul, give it another try. I know budgeting is a thing that many people really struggle with, but it's the step that most people really have to take if they want to experience financial freedom. And I also know We live in an instant gratification world. This is not an instant gratification thing. Because if you wanna get a handle on your money, it's gonna take consistent discipline over an extended period of time. And frankly, we struggle to make changes in our lives when the effects aren't immediate. But this one's worth it, I promise. So make a budget and tell your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. 
I want to summarize some very simple and practical wisdom that Joe Sangal shared with us. He, he runs a ministry called, I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. And he shares this simple three-step monthly budgeting process that will get you on your way to financial freedom. Now, you're, you're going to see a sample form that comes up on the screen as we go. And you can find this same form and download a copy for yourself for free over at whoisgrace.com give. And then just click that button that says budget and financial resources. You can do your own personalized budget right on there. So let's talk through three easy steps to budgeting. So the first is determine your income for the next month. The key word here is next. Preparing a budget for money you've already spent last month is not helpful. A budget has to be completed before the month begins and before the money ever even arrives. The best way to stop saying, I can't believe I spent my money that way, or I, I wish I could have that money back, is to develop a spending plan before the money comes in and goes out. And so you can see a few lines here in the form to write down the income it's that, that you're going to receive over the next month from any source. So maybe it's a paycheck, maybe it's a bonus, a side job, child support, alimony, unemployment, social security, whatever it is. If, if you're, and if your income is unpredictable, write down the amount of money that you can really count on with relative certainty on those lines. If you're living week to week or paycheck to paycheck, you, you can also check out a weekly budget uh, at that budgeting tools page that I mentioned earlier. So first step is to determine your income. Second step is to enter all of your expenses for next month. This is again just the process of telling your money where to go. This is where you actually spend the money on paper before the month arrives. By all accounts, the best way to use uh, the best way is to use real actual expenses that are going to happen, not averages. Like, so if you don't know the actual cost, enter an educated guess based on recent spending. But if the expenses get too generalized, you're going to mentally consider the budget irrelevant. You're going to stop using it. So enter all of the expenses into your budget. You can see here on this form, it includes categories for things like giving and saving and housing and food and debt and utilities, transfer, uh, transportation, clothing, all that stuff. And then the biggie, finally, the third step is to make your income and expenses for next month equal exactly zero. So, so whether you make $1,500 a month or $50,000 a month, it doesn't really matter. The thing that matters is that, that, is that they equal zero or that you come out on the positive side. Because if you're going to bring home $3,000 next month and you already know that you have $3,500 of expenses, you've got some decisions to make. Where's the extra $500 coming from? And usually people either pull from savings or they take on more credit card debt. Because if you spend more than you make, you have to make that up somehow. But if you're going to be responsible and avoid credit card debt, you have two other options. It's to increase your income, get a second job, work some overtime, get a side gig, sell some stuff, or decrease your expenses. Less restaurants, cancel cable, less Starbucks, downgrade the phone plan, Aldi's instead of Wegmans, whatever. But what this allows you to do is to decide ahead of time and make that number exactly zero. And after you've done this work, the key is to actually then follow through. Do everything in your power to stick to that plan. Now, most people know that they should do this, but they just don't do it. And so we need accountability. We need positive motivation each month. And here, here's what I'd recommend. We've actually had people do this before at Grace. It's to find a trusted friend that would help you. And maybe if you both want to take this step, you just plan to have dinner together on the last Sunday night of each month and work on next month's budget plan. Hold each other accountable. Do it together.
And so if this is a step that you need to take, I'd encourage you even right now to write down the name of that person that could help you do this. And it might sound like it'd be awkward to ask them this question. I'm here to tell you it will be honoring to them that you ask for their help. So make the decision to plan, make a budget plan. Here's the third plan I want you to consider, is to make a debt plan. Debt is a fascinating thing because the power of interest is amazing. And in fact, one author suggests that next to the power of God, the power of interest is the second most influential force in a person's life. What side of interest you are on can literally determine the course of your life. Are you compounding forward or are you compounding backward? And I'll give you an example. Say you have $5,000 of debt on your credit card and you decide to make the, the minimum monthly payment, so at an average of 18% interest rate and a minimum payment of 2%, do you realize that it's gonna take you 52 years and five months to completely pay off that debt? Like I'd be 103 years old if I took that on right now. And ultimately, you, you will have paid $15,303 to pay off your original $5,000 debt. That's $10,000 in interest on a $5,000 debt by making the minimum payment. That's called being on the wrong side of compound interest. And it's where some of you find yourself. Interest is working constantly against you. See, which side of the interest curve you find yourself on is gonna determine in a large part how your life turns out. So many of you are there on the wrong side because of consumer debt. Proverbs 22.7 says that the borrower becomes the lender's slave. It's true. Every time you sign up for debt, you give a piece of your freedom away. The creditor is always saying, pay me first. It doesn't matter what's going on the rest of your life. If you don't pay me on time and in full, I will ruin you. Now, you may be wondering if all debt is frowned upon in the scriptures. Pretty much. Except Christian financial advisors would say that in normal economic times, some acceptable debt is okay, like a reasonable mortgage on a home, a reasonable college loan, or a well-thought-through business loan. If done right, those kinds of loans act more like investments, but all consumer debt should be avoided like the plague. Why? Because debt has a crippling effect. It cripples you in a number of ways. It cripples you with pressure and stress. Like if something happens and your income is disrupted, you, you, you start living in total panic mode. It's a horrible way to live. It cripples you by undermining your joy. How do you eat out? How do you buy your kids a little present? How do you go on a trip when every dime you spend stabs you with guilt? It also cripples you by eroding generosity. Like we love to meet needs with generosity. You can't do that when you're weighed down by guilt and debt. So how do you start turning this around? Let me just give you a few steps. The first is just to analyze your situation. Like, if you're gonna manage God's resources well, it's important to have a handle on where things stand. That's what we talked about a moment ago. The second is to stop the bleeding. In other words, stop borrowing money immediately. Burn your credit cards, cut them up, do something, but do not imprison yourself anymore to any more lenders. Make the decision that if you can't pay for it yet, you can't have it yet. And then third is just to start attacking your debt. So Dave Ramsey calls this the debt snowball. It's where you'd list all your debts except for your house payment in order, smallest to biggest, and make the smallest balance your first priority, pay it off, then add whatever you were paying to that one onto the next debt and start attacking it as well. And this process is gonna help you to stay motivated as you see progress. It'll keep you motivated, hopefully, until you're debt free. Now, I have to acknowledge again that in our instant gratification world, this is a process and it's hard. 
Ron Blue said, getting into debt is as easy as sliding down an ice-covered mountain. Getting out of debt is as difficult as climbing up that same mountain. Which means when you think about making a debt plan, you have to understand that it is a long-haul decision. In fact, exactly one year from right now in 2024, you might not be done with it yet if you start today. But you're going to be closer to the freedom that comes from being debt-free, and that's an amazing place to be. It's long past time that some of you take an initial step on getting this thing under control. So let, let me just give you a few practical next steps. Again, access tools and resources over at whoisgrace.com give. You can click on that budget and financial resources tab, which has some great debt tools and calculators and from, from Dave Ramsey and Joe Sangle and many of the resources that I mentioned today. Also, we're going to be hosting a great training on financial freedom right here at Grace, starting on Monday nights in McCain, Tuesday nights in Harbor Creek, uh, beginning on February 27th and 28th at 6.30 p.m. So, so sign up for Financial Peace University. You can go over to whoisgrace.com next to do that. We've had hundreds of people over the years whose path to financial success began with taking the simple step of, of, of this class. It's been a game changer for a lot of people. In fact, for, for years we had a big container over in our office of cut up credit cards and a bunch of stories of Grace folks who were debt free because of one initial step to take this class. So again, you can head over to whoisgrace.com next. As I said earlier, most of you aren't 20 decisions away. You're just one or two decisions away from a whole new future. And this may be yours. Finally, one more step. Man, if you're passionate about doing finances God's way, and maybe you've even had some victory in this area, we're also looking for people who might be willing to help with budget coaching so that we can continue to help people in this very vulnerable financial season that some find themselves in. So if that's you, you can just email Pastor Mike Chrisman over at mikechrisman at whoisgrace.com. He's building a team for this very purpose. Now, as I said at the beginning, I don't want this to be a source of shame for any of you, just a call to action. And I want to reaffirm something today as we conclude, that you can do this with God's help. Like you can get a handle on this area of your life. And your sanity depends on it. Your family depends on it. Some of you, your marriage depends on it. Your kid's future depends on it. But more than that, your spiritual life depends on it. Your soul does. I want to remind you of one basic truth of Scripture, and it's this. You were born for freedom. You, you really were. Jesus would say things like, if I make you free, you'll be free indeed. And what he was talking about is that, it, that there's, a, there's a spiritual freedom plan whereby guilty sinners and moral failures and those of us who have stacked up huge amounts of moral debt in the face of a holy God are just set free. And Jesus said, all of you, moral debtors, through my death for you on the cross, I will set you free spiritually for eternity. Your heart was born for that kind of freedom. And Christ made it possible. It's available to you for the asking. But here's the thing. Once you're spiritually free, don't give back any amount of that freedom that has already been won for you at the cross. Like, don't give back any percent of it. Don't give back in, in to any kind of bondage, including financial bondage, because it takes the shine off of this wonderful gift of freedom that was purchased for you by the blood of Christ at the cross. And some of you have spiritual freedom, but it's all layered over with financial bondage. And so you walk around feeling weighed down and just in a prison cell. Would you just mark today as the beginning of the end of that kind of insanity and say, no more. I was born for freedom. Christ purchased my freedom. You'll be free forever, so why not start being free right now? I urge you to start today by making a plan. 
because as we learn today in our big idea, we honor God with our faithful planning. Love you guys.